it's okay to not be okay. That, that phrase can change the way that we think about mental health as Christians. You see, so much, so often, kind of like we talked about in the beginning of this little mini-series, Christians don't know how to think about mental health and about mental health issues. We don't really have the categories for someone who's suffering so deeply for something that we don't understand. We don't know how to relate to someone who's in this space. But that phrase, it's okay to not be okay, can change the way that we think about mental health can change the way that we relate to someone who is suffering from mental health issues. And specifically around this topic of depression, I think it's important for that phrase to be true in your heart and in your mind. It's okay to not be okay when it comes to depression. Christians don't understand depression. We don't understand why someone would be suffering from such an ailment of sorrow and sadness when it seems like that sadness contradicts the very joy of what their life holds, their family and their job and everything that God has given them. It seems like, why would they be so sad? Why would they be so sorrowful? We might have some solidarity with someone who's experiencing anxiety that feels really common. We might have some sense of empathy towards someone who's walking in shame because we know that false narrative well. But when it comes to depression, we can't get our heads around it. We don't know how to relate to someone who is in such a deep pit. Which is really ironic. Because if you look throughout church history, you see certain heroes of the faith who suffered deeply from this ailment of depression. I think of John Bunyan, who while in prison wrote The Pilgrim's Progress, which is the second best-selling book of all time right behind the Bible suffered deeply from depression. And I think of my personal favorite, Charles Spurgeon, who suffered deeply, painfully, and honestly with depression. Listen to how he described some of his experiences in this, in this quote. The mind can descend far lower than the body, for in it there are bottomless pits, the flesh can bear only a certain number of wounds and no more, but the soul can bleed in 10,000 ways and die over and over again each hour. He knew what it was like for his mind, for his joy, for every sense of happiness and goodness in life to die again and again each hour. The body can only take so much before it dies, but the mind, the heart, seems like it can die again, again, and again in this sorrow of depression. We need to think rightly about this, especially in a fallen world. Because my friends, especially for those who, who suffer from depression, I wanna say this to you, that your sadness in a fallen world is an act of sanity. Your tears are a true testimony to what a fallen world is like. Depression makes sense in a fallen world. Sadness is an act of sanity when our world is so broken. And so we're going to talk about depression. We're going to talk about this deep sorrow today. So first, what, what is depression? Well, there's a lot of different ways that you could define it and kind of get your hands around it. But the way that I think about depression and the way that I've experienced it in my own life or in the lives of my friends is this certain numbness of the soul, of the mind that it seems as though the colors of life have all faded away, that there is no more goodness in life in which to take joy. It seems as though that first 
uh, proclamation of God saying, it is good, it is good, it is good in creation. It seems like that proclamation of goodness in life and in creation is a faint echo. Untraceable. We grow numb. It is a, it is a grief out of proportion. Depression brings this numbness to us, this heaviness of spirit and this mental wheezing, this emotional wheezing. Our mind and our hearts can't seem to catch their breath with such sorrow and such sadness, such numbness and such colorlessness in life. Depression sucks the joy out of life. Depression sucks the color out of life. And so... If that's what depression is, I want to talk about the ways in which God can speak directly to those of us who are suffering in this way. And the way that I want to talk about it is the idea of God's sufficiency. And what I mean by that is his enoughness. Because I think that, especially in this uh, conversation of mental health, a lot of us kind of get bought into this cultural narrative that you are enough, that as if the, the solution to your mental health issues is for you to understand that you are enough, friend. But if in my own experience and in my own testimony of mental health issues, that feels like a burden for me to be the solution to my own mental health issues, for me to, for someone to say to me that you have the capacities, you have the resources in yourself to be enough in order to have joy out of depression. It doesn't work. And so we, we look at God's sufficiency. Listen to this from 2 Corinthians 3, verse 4. Such is the confidence that we have toward Christ in God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. That there are certain things about God that, that He has in Himself that is sufficient for us, that we don't have to be enough. I don't have to be enough in order to have joy out of depression, in order to find, in order to bring back the color of life. That enoughness is not found in me. It is found in God. And his sufficiency works itself out in some ways that I think can really help us in depression. That even though it might not bring us out, because friends, I'll be honest, depression is the one thing in the series that it seems inescapable. It seems like, when is this going to be over? Anxiety can be quelled. Shame can be silenced. But depression feels really, really stubborn. But I think God's sufficiency, even if it doesn't get us out of that pit, can give us some things to su survive and to maybe even thrive in the midst of such sadness. So how is God sufficient in our depression? First, I think his sufficiency in his compassion. That Psalm 103 says that God knows our frame. That he, he, he relates to us in compassion like a father to his children because he knows our frame. He remembers that we are nothing more than dust. God doesn't overestimate your strength. God, doesn't, God remembers that really at the core you're nothing more than a collection of dust. And so he doesn't expect such 
strength towards you, but rather acts towards you and relates towards you and thinks towards you with compassion. With deep compassion, which is necessary. Because in this life of, in the life lived in depression, we have a hard time finding compassion. It seems as though those who are closest to us, those who we might, might expect some help and some hope, seem to have the least bit of compassion for us. They're exhausted by our sadness and can't understand why we can't get out of the pit. But God doesn't. God isn't lacking in compassion. God isn't impatient with your sorrow because He is sufficient in compassion. Friend, God does not laugh at your sadness. God does not chide you for your sorrow. Rather, His compassion overflows with empathy, with love, with an understanding of what's going on both in your brain and in your mind, knowing that you're nothing more than dust and then acting towards you in accordance with that. His Compassion can give us a voice that doesn't chide us, can give us a voice from God that doesn't laugh at our sorrow, that doesn't tell us to get our crap together and just be happy, but rather relates to us with compassion. That can help us thrive. Then also, the sufficiency of the spiritual life in Christ. And this, I think, is really important because uh, when you're in the midst of depression, it's really easy for uh, grace to feel so faint and so far, for spiritual vitality and life to feel impossible. But this is where it gets important that we remember that the grace of God and his action toward us, his awakening us to spiritual life is not dependent on nature, is not dependent on how we're feeling, where our brain chemistry is, or where our mind is. It's not dependent on that, but it is dependent on God, which is good news because that means that no matter the state of my mind or of my brain or of my heart, whatever sorrow or sadness that my life is right now does not determine, does not slow down, does not hamper the work of grace in my life in any way, which gives the option for spiritual life in the midst of what feels like death. If grace overcomes, if grace is not dependent on how I'm feeling, on how I'm struggling or what I'm doing, that means that there is the option, even the possibility, even the likelihood of spiritual life in God, full of vitality and joy even in the pit. And then finally, God is sufficient in fatherly love towards you. You see, Romans 8 tells us that those of us who are in Christ have been given the spirit of adoptions as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And so many times we misunderstand that text. We, we know that, you know, that word Abba is kind of what little Jewish kids used to say to their, their dad and it's daddy. Uh, and we kind of over-sentimentalize it. But what does Paul say? He says that it is by the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You see, that text is not talking about a squishy, cliche daddy. That text is speaking to a primal scream. And if there's anyone, I think, who wants to have a primal scream, it is those who are suffering under the weight of depression. And that text says that we can 
cry to our Father. We can scream to our Father, I need you in this moment. I need you to get me through. I need you to give me the resources of grace that will help me to get back up even in this sorrow. God's sufficient fatherly love gives us the room to scream and say, I need help. I am not okay. And I need help. But the danger is, is that depression in its numbness might silent that cry. Might silence that scream. You see, kind of like when children, as, in, in, as babies, if when they scream and cry, if they again and again and again and again get the response of nothing to their cries, they stop screaming. They stop crying because they begin to understand no one's coming. This doesn't seem to help. Friend, those of you suffering under the weight of depression, have you stopped screaming for your father? Have you stopped crying because you've believed a lie that no one is coming to your aid, that no one is coming to help you. Your Father has loving, sufficient compassion towards you. Don't stop screaming for Him. Don't stop feeling what you're feeling in depression and allowing that to, to, to go to God, to bring what you're feeling, to bring the sorrow to God because you have a Father who is hearing those cries, who will respond to those screams because He is sufficient in fatherly love. Friends, depression feels like a trap. It feels like a pit of inescapable torment, of sadness and sorrow, of colorless life. But with such a God, compassion, of grace that gives us spiritual life, of fatherly love, with such a sufficient God, we can begin to have joy. We can begin to have joy that is resilient, even in the midst of sorrow. Even in the pit, we can scream and cry out for our fatherly, loving God and know that He will give us what we need to make it through. There is hope, friends, with such a God.